Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the search for Joseph's cup as we pick up in Genesis chapter 44, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. One of the things that they had were divining cups made of uh, pieces of silver and gold, and it was sort of uh, like reading uh, the, the dregs in the cup, like tea leaves are red and so forth. And, and so Joseph said, hey, you, you, you know, he, they were accused of stealing his divining cup, his silver cup. Don't you know that he divines in that thing? And so he's, they, the, the steward went out and he overtook them and he spoke to them these same words. And, and, and so they said, why saith my Lord these words? God forbid that the, your servant should do according to this thing. Behold the money which we found in our sack's mouth. We brought it again unto thee out of the land of Canaan. Why should we steal out of my Lord's house silver or gold? So the brothers are protesting, hey, we haven't stolen anything. What do you mean? Why would we want to do that? The, you know, we brought back the money that was in our sacks the first time, and, and we have no intention of ripping off your master. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, both let him die, and we also will be my Lord's bondsmen. And so he said, all right, let it be according to your words. With him with whom it is found, he will be the servant, and you will all be blameless. In other words, they all promise to be bondsmen, and kill the one that you find it with. They said, no, we'll take it at your word, but we'll just let the one that we find it with, let him be the servant. The rest of you are blameless. You can go on home. Joseph was trying to keep his younger brother down there that he might uh, have a great time with him and let him know who he was. And so they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground, and he opened every man his sack. And they searched, and they began with the eldest, and they finished with the youngest, and the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they tore their clothes, every one of them. And they loaded back up their donkeys and they returned to the city. And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was still there. And they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that you have done? Don't you know that such a man as I can divine? You think you get away with that? Don't you realize that the position I'm in, I'm able to divine these things? You know, I'm able to see these things that are taking place and all. And Judah said, what shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? How can we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and also him with whom the cup is found. Judah said, hey, what can I say? how, How can I clear myself? God has found us out. In other words, the iniquity. Again, going back to their selling of their brother Joseph. Now, they had the bags of silver that they had brought down the first time, 10 brothers. They, came, they had come back with that silver plus more silver, the 10 brothers that came back again because Simeon was still there. 20 sacks of silver. I wonder if that maybe rang a bell. They had sold Joseph for 20 pieces of silver. And so they said, what can we say? Our iniquity's been found out. We can't clear ourselves, and so we'll be your servants. And the boy here will just be your servants. 
And he said, God forbid that I should do so. But the man in whose hand the cup is found, he'll be my servant. And as for the rest of you, go in peace back to your father. I believe that Joseph is still testing. I believe that he is really anxious to see what their attitude is, their true attitude towards Benjamin. Are they jealous of Benjamin as they were jealous of Joseph? Would they like to get rid of Benjamin like they got rid of Joseph? Does that deep jealousy still burn in their hearts? If it does, how can the purposes of God ever be accomplished through them? And I believe that Joseph is just really testing his brothers at this point to see the attitude that they have towards Benjamin. I think the whole thing was set up by Joseph. He wants to see, are they willing to dump him? You see, here's an easy opportunity. All right, we'll go home and, you know, you just keep the little guy. And we got rid of the other brother that was a, a, a trial to us. And now we get rid of Benjamin. Now we, we all inherit, you know, the old man's goods. And so the old man dies, we, we, we become the heirs anyhow. So sure, keep him. Testing their attitude to see if time has changed their attitude. Now, he has already received the confession of guilt from them. This is a good sign. Our iniquity is caught up with us. And here they're saying, hey, we'll all be your servants. And he says, no, no, you don't have to all be my servants. Just the one with whom we found the cup. The rest of you go on back in peace. Then Judah came near unto him, and he said, oh, my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. And let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for you're even as Pharaoh. You're as great as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age, a little one, and his brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loves him. You see, the love that, was, that he had for Joseph was now being lavished upon Benjamin. Do they hate Benjamin for it? Do they have the same animosity towards Benjamin? And you said unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, that I may set my eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. But you said unto your servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, you're not going to even see my face again. And so it came to pass when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, go again and buy us a little food. And we said, we can't go down if our youngest brother is not with us. Then we will go down for we pray for we may not see the man's face except our youngest brother be with us. So Thy servant, my father, said unto us, Ye know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. And if you take this also from me, and mischief befalls him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to thy servant, my father, and the lad is not with us, Seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass when he sees that the lad is not with us that he will die, 
and thy servants will bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not again unto thee, then I will bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father and the lad not be with me? Lest peradventure I see the evil that shall come upon my father. And so Judah, beautiful intercession, an offering to take the place of Benjamin. Oh, what a change of attitude and a change of heart. Notice how he speaks of the love of Jacob for Benjamin. Our father's life is bound up in this kid. And if we don't bring him again, our father will just die. It'll bring the death to my father. And it shows a love still for the ancient Jacob that Judah had. And it shows really no animosity at all, willing to take the place of Benjamin and becoming a bondman instead of Benjamin. The final test is being passed. Joseph now knows that the brothers truly have repented. He now knows that the feelings of bitterness and animosity are gone. He knows that that's all in the past. And, and they are passing the test royally. Judah offering to take the place, to take the guilt and to suffer in the place. Now, it is interesting that from Judah, Christ was to come, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who offered to take our guilt and our place and took our punishment for us. Here, Judah offering to do that for his brother. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before them that stood by him, and he cried. And he said, Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud. And the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard him. Actually, he said, Get out of here, all you Egyptians. And then he let his brothers know who he was, and he was crying just aloud, saying, I'm Joseph, I'm Joseph. And they were standing outside the door. They all heard him, and they ran to the Pharaoh, and they said, hey, Joseph's brothers are here. They're having a big party, a reunion, and, and all. <laughs> and Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? And his brothers couldn't answer him. They were speechless. They were troubled at his presence. They, it wasn't such a... Happy occasion for them yet. They didn't know what he was going to do. <laughs> and Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. And so they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold to Egypt. Now therefore, don't be grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me, for God did send me before you to preserve life. Don't be grieved. Don't be upset with yourselves because you sold me? God's hand was in it all. We should never be upset with secondary causes that God uses to bring his primary purposes into our lives. Their selling of him was a secondary cause. Don't be greed over that. Hey, don't you realize God's hand was in the whole thing? He sent me down here in order to preserve the family. Joseph could see, he had the advantage of hindsight, he could see how God's hand was in this whole thing. 
God sent me before you. Don't be upset or be yourselves in grief. For these two years have the famine been in the land, but there's going to be five more years in which there will be neither earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives alive by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me here, but God, and he has made me a father to the Pharaoh. Man, it's far out what I've got down here, you know. And, and God's done it. You didn't do this. God is the one that did this. Seeing the providential hand of God in the whole experience. Oh, how glorious when we can see beyond secondary causes and see the hand of God's providence working in all of the circumstances of our lives. You didn't do this. God did it. God just sent me down to providentially spare the family. Now hurry and go back to my father and say unto him, Thus saith your son Joseph, God has made me the Lord of all Egypt. Come down and don't waste any time. And you will dwell in the land of Goshen, you and all will be near me and all your children and thy children's children and thy flocks and thy herds and all that you have. And I will there nourish thee for yet there are five years of famine lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. Five years more could wipe them out. So come on down. I'll take care of you. I'll nourish you. You'll be near me and all. And behold, your eyes see and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, you can see that it's my mouth that's speaking to you. And tell my father of my glory in Egypt and all that you have seen, and ye shall make haste and bring down my father. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and he wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. And moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept on them. And after that, his brothers talked to them. Finally, they... He said, well, I guess the guy's serious, you know. He's <laughs> crying and, and weeping, and he doesn't intend his harm. And, and so they were finally able to speak. They were so shocked. It was just a wipeout. They, they didn't know what had happened to Joseph. And now all of a sudden, here's a guy. He's a lord in Egypt, and, and all. And I, Joseph, I'm your brother. You can see it's me. It's my mouth. I'm talking to you, man. And, and, and they just were wiped out over the whole experience. They just could hardly answer him. Now, in this, you remember Jesus said to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he said, are you blind? Do you not understand the scriptures? And he began with Moses and went all the way through and showed them where the scriptures spoke of Christ. To the Pharisees, he said, you do search the scriptures in them, you think you have life, but actually they testify of me. Now, the scriptures testify of Christ plainly and then in allegories and in analogies and in types and in various ways the scriptures testify of Jesus Christ. And Joseph, as we have pointed out before, is a beautiful type of Christ. A type of Christ being sold, rejected by his brothers. They refused him, they rejected him, and sold him into slavery. But now... At their second coming, he makes himself known to them. He's revealed at the second coming who he really is. And as he is revealed unto them, 
He has great mercy upon them. The Bible tells us that when Jesus comes again, that the Jews, it says they are going to look on him whom they have pierced. They're going to weep and travail over what they have done. How could we have rejected our Messiah? How could we have rejected God's plan? And they will look upon him whom they have pierced. They said, what are the meaning of those wounds in your hands? And rather than being vindictive and all, he said, these are the wounds that I received in the house of my friends. But he's going to receive them. There's going to be a glorious acceptance of the Messiah and Christ accepting them and the grace and the mercy that he'll bestow upon them and the riches of God's grace that shall be bestowed upon these people when they are brought back again and the, they receive the gracious forgiveness of their brother whom they rejected, whom they despised, whom they destroyed. And so Joseph's revealing of himself is a type of the future when Christ will come again to the nation Israel and will reveal himself to them and they will recognize him in truth and will be accepted and forgiven. The whole thing is just a beautiful picture of that which is yet future. Now go tell your dad, my dad, all the things God has done for me. Tell him how I'm Lord down here in Egypt. I rule over the country and... Man, I just really have it made. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, as they said, Joseph's brothers are come, and it pleased the Pharaoh well and his servants. And the Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto your brothers, This do ye. Laid your beast and go, get unto the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and ye shall eat of the fat of the land. Now command this, that you take wagons out of Egypt for the little ones and for your wives and bring your father and come. Also, don't worry about your stuff, your utensils and all, for the good of the land of Egypt is yours. We'll replace anything you've got to leave. And the children of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and he gave them provision for the way. And to all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but unto Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner, ten donkeys loaded down with the good things of Egypt, ten she-donkeys laden down with wheat and bread and meat for his father by the way. His father had sent down a few little bits of dried fruit and some almonds and all. And so Joseph loads down 20 donkeys and sends a bag full of stuff for his dad. And so his brothers departed. And he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. In other words, have a safe journey. And they went up out of Egypt and they came into the land of Canaan and Jacob their father. And they told him, saying, Joseph is still alive. He is the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. He thought, oh, come on, what are you guys up to now? <laughs> and, and he was just weakened by the words that they said. He just, 
you know, it just sort of wiped out. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. <laughs> the spirit of Jacob. <laughs> he saw all the loot, <laughs> and the spirit of Jacob revived. <laughs> But it ends, and Israel said, it's enough. <laughs> Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 44 through 45 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over you and may you experience the hand of God upon your life. And may you recognize the work of God in your life, not just in the blessed things, in the good things, but even in the adverse things. For may you realize that truly all things are working together for good to those who love God. And thus, as we walk according to his purpose, help us that we might accept as from God, those adverse secondary causes that are bringing to pass God's primary will within our lives. And may we see beyond the obvious. May we see those things which are not seen by the normal person. God's hand working in and behind the scenes of our lives to bring forth His will, His plan. God bless you and watch over you and keep you in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California.
Have you ever thought about this simple phrase, God loves you? This just might be the most important truth you could ever grasp, that God has called you into a loving relationship with himself. Unfortunately, many of us have been brought up to think that we need to earn God's love. In Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything, Pastor Chuck imparts years of wisdom from his own experiences, how he thought he had to work hard and deny his own desires for God to love him. But when he unlocked the secret to God's grace, this changed everything. Come alongside Pastor Chuck to discover an astonishing truth about your relationship with Jesus Christ. That it's not based upon your works, but based upon God's love for you. It's true. Grace changes everything. To find out more and to read a preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-9673.